0: You are listening to the official podcast of Refuge, where we believe all people matter to God. Amen. I'm just so excited about this series as we talk about core values and who we are as Refuge, as a church, and and then realize that everything has a point of origin, a place of beginnings. And God has given us a beginning. He's given us many times a fresh start, a new beginning. And so we're excited about that. And this is Independence Day, actually the day after Independence Day. And I just want to share a few thoughts, but I have to share something that's kind of on a humor side. And so I hope maybe the kids will like this joke. I don't know if moms and dads will, but I'll share it anyway. Okay. Um, there was a children's church teacher that uh, was teaching uh, the children, and she was talking about Independence Day, talking about America, talking about our freedoms. And she made this statement in class. She said, we are all free in this nation. We're all free in our country. And a four-year-old walks up to the front of the class with his hands on his hips, and he looks the teacher, bold-faced in the eye, and he says, I'm not free, I'm four." Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Independence Day. You know, our nation is 239 years old. That's, that's really amazing. And when you, you look at democracies and republics, you know, there are not many that survive past the 200 mark. So America's beat that, but we want to continue to see freedom preserved in our nation. Uh, we have many freedoms that God has blessed us with as Americans And we're engaged in numerous battles to defend those freedoms in this hour and to stop the erosion of our liberties. And so we as believers, as Christians, need to continue to pray. Now, uh, what will make the greatest impact upon America is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that needs to be our our primary goal and target to share the gospel of Jesus. That, In fact, the Great Commission is our mission. It really is. And the recent Supreme Court ruling I, I want to share this. Don't let this ruling alienate you from the people that need to hear the gospel. Okay? Don't let it separate you from reaching those that really need to hear the message of Jesus' love. And, and certainly, uh, we may not be in agreement with it. We're definitely not. It's not, definitely not in agreement with the word of God, but yet we have to stay true to God in the midst of all this. We need to take, uh, you know, we need to take, time to pray for our leaders uh, and really pray that God would raise up godly leaders that could be a voice in this hour to really defend truth and freedom. Uh, I believe that uh, actually it's Proverbs 29 verse 2 says, the, the, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked beareth rule, the people groan. And so we need righteous people to lead in our country. And so this morning, Uh, I want to pray for this message as I deliver this message that God's given me uh, this morning. But I also want to pray for our nation. So let's join our faith together and do that. And I want to pray based on 2 Chronicles 7.14. Thank you, Father. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we pray for this nation. We pray for America. We pray according to the scripture, which states, if my people which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven forgive their sin and heal their land. Oh God, we repent as your people. Forgive us, O oh God. And we ask, Lord, that you move in this nation, that you bring healing Father, give us open doors to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Give us opportunities to share the love of Jesus with those that we come in contact with. Father, help us to be an example and a true representative of Jesus in this earth. And let this church, Father, be a place where people can come and and find you, find uh, peace with you and and get right with you, O God. In Jesus' name we pray and we give you glory and honor. And now I pray for the ministry of your word as as I share this morning, for the prepared hearts to receive the truth. Because it's your truth that brings freedom. It's it's your truth that allows us to move in your purpose. Give us understanding, oh God, today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can you say amen? When you say amen, it's simply saying I I agree with that prayer and and I I join my faith with you on that. Now, now each week we have been taking a different core value of refuge, and actually we have twelve core values, and each of these uh, define how we do life as a church together. Uh, core values really—it's a starting place in most organizations. Now, if you look on their websites, they have a set of core values, and really it's it's how they relate uh, within their organization with team members, with employees, but also how they relate to those outside the organization, to those that they're serving, those that they're reaching, those that they're impacting. And so it's really a, a, a set of guidelines, so to speak, into something at Refuge that core values have to do, help us to keep us on the right path. So if we get off an area, oh, this doesn't mesh with our core value or with our core values. And so... Uh, at refuge, our core values are based on Bible truth. They're biblical in nature. In fact, the Bible is the word of God. Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God is powerful. It's alive. The, the Bible is quick and powerful. It's alive. Uh, it's truth that brings freedom in lives. It's message Gives hope to a hurting world. Amen? This Bible is a message to a hurting world. It's capable of transforming the hardest heart and give direction and purpose to our lives. The Word of God is life giving, yet, it confronts us in our point of greatest need. It addresses the real condition of the heart, it brings conviction. And it brings change and transformation that all of us need. Now, what's really interesting is is that the word of God is not just print on the page, but the word of God is a person. In John chapter 1, the gospel of John chapter 1 says, The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Verse 14, that's Jesus. Jesus is the living word made flesh. He, he came to dwell among us. And now what's interesting, God wants his word to be alive in us. In, in other words, he wants his word to take flesh in our lives and be lived out through our lives. Now, rejecting the word of God is a serious thing because when you reject the truth, you believe a lie. I shared that last week, but I, I really need to remind you of that. And we realize that you and I were, were created on purpose for a purpose. God has a plan for you, and it's really laid out. This, the general plan and will of God is, is laid out in the pages of the Bible, in his word. It's, it's revealed to us through the word. Now, Job 22, 22. I like that, 22, 22. That's easy to remember. It's an easy reference to remember. It says, receive instruction from his mouth and lay up his words in your heart. See, if, there's ever, if there would ever come a day where they would take my Bible away from me, guess what? It's in my heart because I'm in it every day. I'm studying it. I'm reading its pages and because it's got to get in your heart. You can have 50 Bibles on the shelf in in your room or your office, but it's got to get in your heart, and you need to take time, study, meditate on it, reflect on it. Now, again, you've heard me say this, and I don't want to sound like a, a stuck record, but repetition is good. Refuge is a place for people. Okay? People will come through these doors, and they'll be in whatever condition. It doesn't matter what condition they come in. But I believe that when they come and sit under the word of God and have an encounter with Jesus Christ, they're going to leave changed. They're going to leave transformed. They won't leave the same way they came. That's our desire for them to have an encounter with Jesus, for you to have an encounter with Jesus every time you come in this place. And so... These gatherings are are really opportunities for you to invite people. Because, you know, people will generally come by your invitation. Now, some people find us on a website and they'll show up. But you know people that could stand to listen to some of the things that, that we're talking about here, right? That need to hear the message of Jesus. You know people that you work with, that you live with, that you're around, don't be afraid to invite them because they need to come to Christ. And you can be the one leading them to Christ. And in fact, if you pray with them, lead them to Christ, then bring them so they can be taught, so they can be built up in the word of God and grow in him. So I'm a man that has been changed by Jesus Christ. Now, uh, I'm still a work in progress. God's not finished with me yet. But yet, he has transformed my life. And I know that he, if He can transform my life, He can transform your life. If He can do something with me, I know He can do something with you. And God is so good. Our vision at Refuge is we believe that all people matter to God. This is a place where we grow while finding authentic hope, purpose, and love through Jesus. And so far, we have covered core values. We are a people who cannot be broken. We're a family that always forgives. We're peacemakers in a world at war. And today we're looking at, oh, no, I got one more. We're a body that when damaged will heal. And today we're looking at, we're a safe place for poor and for rich. Now, I just just wanna ask you a question because I gave a reading assignment last week, and I can have a show of hands to see if you completed your reading assignment. I wanted you to read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting like about verse 17 or 18, and read to pretty much the end of the chapter. But we're a body that when damaged will heal. Now, we need to understand that to heal, uh, to seek healing is not our f- first priority. If, if we're going to heal, sometimes people seek healing. But at refuge, we seek the healer. Because if we seek the healer, we will find healing. Some people come to God for what they can get out of him. They're in a fix. They pray a foxhole prayer. How many of you know what that is? In World War II, there were all these people that in there in a foxhole, and the bombs the shells are coming at them, and they say, Oh, God, if you get me out of here, if you get me home safe, I'll serve you all the days of my life. And God delivers them, they come home and they forget about that prayer. But no, we seek God. We seek the healer. You see, he's our provider. We don't seek the provision. We seek the provider, okay? So that's an important element that we need to consider in our, in our focus, in our motivation, in the intent of our heart. So um, today's key scripture now i want to share before i share the key scripture uh, i want to share this from last week because i didn't share it but i think it's important in first corinthians 12 25 and 26 it says that there be no division in the body that there be no division the devil is trying to divide churches to cause division but it says but that the members may have the same care one for another this is a, a body that when damaged will heal. We have care one for another. We really are concerned, and it's genuine. It's not hokey. It's not surface. It's genuine, to have genuine care one for another. And then verse 26, if one member suffers, we all suffer together. If one member is honored, we all rejoice together. So we go through stuff together, but we're a family. And so we will heal when damaged. Okay, okay. Now, our key scripture for the message today is Proverbs 22, verse 2. We're using a lot of twos today. That's good. It says, the rich and the poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. See, this puts us on common ground. See, God made the rich man. He made the poor man. We have this in common. So we want to talk about some things that really relate to the real need of people. Now, poverty, when we look at it, is a curse. Poverty is the inability to support yourself. There are many reasons people become impoverished. So we can't be too quick to judge because, see, God puts us on common ground, we shouldn't look differently at the rich or the poor. We shouldn't despise the rich and tolerate the poor, or we shouldn't despise the poor and tolerate the rich. At refuge, we need to have a heart that embraces all people. Because some of you here today, I know you have issues with wealthy people. You despise them. And part of it might be rooted in jealousy because you don't have what they have. Or you may have attitudes or thinking that's not really right thinking in that regard. And on the other hand, you may have attitudes towards poor people and say, well, they're in that condition because they deserve to be in that condition because they're lazy or because they've messed up in their life. And that may not be the case at all. You can't be the judge of why they are poor or why they are rich. Sometimes people look at rich people and say, well, what did you do to earn that wealth? What did you do to lie, steal, or cheat? And why do you deserve to have all that money? Why not? You know, and socialism wants to make it all even. And, and see, there's an element in that that may be biblical and scriptural, but the majority of how it's been played out in our nation, it's demonic, and it's wrong because it, it doesn't serve the purpose of God. And see, sometimes people can take a concept and try to apply it in the natural. Without God, it's, it's going to fail. But, um, I, and I'm getting way off. Those are things I didn't plan on saying, but sometimes that's what maybe you just need to hear, okay? Now, um, you know, the proverb says, you know, a little slumber, a little folding in the hands, and poverty's going to come. But that's not the reason everyone is poor. You don't understand hardship or things that can happen to destroy a person's wealth and bring them into a place of poverty. Uh, the, The word poor is defined as having little or no money, goods or other means to support, of support, dependent upon charity or public support. See, our government has determined a poverty line. And according to that determination, you and I today are either above or below that poverty line. Now, that's by the definition of a government in in doing research in in an effort to really help people and serve people in our nation. But whether you're above or below that line, that doesn't matter at refuge, okay? Uh, Because we're here to reach and serve and love people, uh, not based on whether they're rich or poor. Now, if we really want to, get down to this definition here, we can consider every child that is unable to support themselves, they're in poverty, they're poor. Why? Because they can't support themselves. They're dependent upon another. They're dependent upon mom and dad, okay? And so when we look at that word, sometimes we, we look at it very narrow-mindedly, but there's a more broader sense when we look at what it is to be poor, okay? So I just threw that out there. Now, I have four points for you this morning I want to share, okay? So if you're taking notes, you might want to write these down. Point number one is the poor and rich both have been exploited in our society. The poor and the rich have both been exploited in our society. Now, I've been around both the rich and the poor. Pastor Deb and I, a number of years ago, we were in Beverly Hills in a mansion. Wealthy people that... the. 20 million dollar estate or whatever it was okay 20 million wealth like and 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 they were from indonesia and so they'd only spend a few weeks of the year at that place we we had a great conversation with the caretaker and i really envied his job because he got to take care of all this you know have a five hundred thousand dollar automobile in the in the garage and and like I, this is like way beyond, I can't understand this kind of lifestyle. It, it's hard for me to connect with this. But yet, the owners of that estate and home were very devout Christians. And they sold generously into missionaries and into the work of God in Southeast Asia. They own all the affiliate television networks and hotels and uh, the very wealthy, successful people. Now, Uh, was I to judge them? Why do they have this house here? Maybe for them it was just a tax write-off. I don't know. But what really matters is they were people that loved God and were giving generously into the kingdom more than what I could ever do with my income, and they were making a difference and an impact. They had totally supported numerous Christian radio stations who wrote the, you know, checks to support all these christian radio stations throughout southeast asia i mean these are people that are movers and shakers in in the world but yet they have a very low profile as far as what they do in their generosity they don't want to they don't give to be seen of men so i was around that and then i was around another wealthy man that told me said pastor matt wealth can become a curse I thought, really? Yeah, I know that because people love money, then they'll forget God. Okay, I know that. No, but he said, no, it's not, it's not that. He said, because people try to take advantage of you because you're wealthy. A contractor, you, you call up a contractor to get a job, and they charge double what they would the next guy. Because they know oh, he's rich, he can afford it. Or people come up to them, or they want to be their friend, not because they really want to get to know them, but because they maybe might try to get a favor or two. So the motivation is key. And, and, and Deb and I, we in our life, whenever we've been around wealthy people, we, uh, we always make sure our motive is right. You know, we don't try to, I mean, in fact, you know, uh, we, we've seen people come up to us people, be, oh, could you do this? We need this. It's like, you don't even know the guy. What are you what are you doing? You know, we need to steward relationships with the purest of motives and intents. All right. Hallelujah. Still with me? Okay. Oh, well, we got we got some ground to cover here. Uh, um what is true wealth? True wealth is more than money and things. It's only found really in right relationship with God. And it's having right relationship with God and the resources to carry out his will for you to advance his kingdom in the earth. See, it's not just having your personal needs met. That's selfish. So, Lord, I just want my needs met. I just want my bills paid. And no. God wants you to be blessed to be a blessed seeing so you can be generous with others. See, God does not want you to have a need-based mentality, but he wants you to have a seed-based mentality. Where can I plant seed where we can reap a harvest? Where can we expand it and see growth and increase? How can I invest my time, my talent, and my money to make a difference? See, Jesus said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Turn with me there in Acts twenty thirty five. In Acts twenty thirty five, there it says, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. This is Jesus. We must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. So... A little earlier when we received the offering, guess what? You partook in the greater blessing. If you gave, you participated in the greater blessing. Now, you might say, well, that doesn't make sense. Well, some things, a lot of things don't make sense to us in the natural, but it makes sense to God because he said it. Jesus said, it's more blessed to give. Why? Because Jesus knows that when we give, it's gonna come back to us, good measure. We're establishing a harvest of increase and blessing to come. And that's a principle that, that any farmer knows. My dad was a farmer. He knew that if he didn't plant seed, he didn't have any right to expect a harvest. And, and if he wanted to have a bigger harvest, he had to plant more seed, right? Little seed, little harvest. Lot of seed, a bigger harvest. That's how it all works. All right, point number two. Point number two We are not to have respect of persons or disrespect of persons based on their economic status. I'll share that again. We are not to have respect of persons or disrespect of persons based on their economic status. See, uh, we often see these two contrasts on opposite sides of the spectrum, but yet all of us are somewhere in the middle. No one wants to be stereotyped. I don't want to be stereotyped as poor or rich. And and maybe you don't either, okay? Um, But yet, that's very often, you know, the case. We try to stereotype people. But yet, it's all respective, even in our nation. I can remember growing up and and qualifying for free lunch at school and, and wondering if I was poor, you know, but never felt like it. Uh, until I was around others who had more than I did. Then I think, oh, we don't have that. But I never felt impoverished because we always had food at the table. We always we had a mom and dad that took care of us. We had clothes on our back. We had a place to sleep, you know. And, and yet my dad had a very small income on the farm and was struggling here that we worked two other jobs besides the farm just to support the family. and And so I didn't know we were poor by you know, the, the uh, poverty line standard that the nation set. I didn't know that, and it didn't matter to me. I didn't care. And I've been to Africa around children who are playing with sticks and stones and, and are happy. They don't have the latest toys and all this amazing stuff that we have here, but yet they don't know that they're poor. You know, so my first mission trip to Mexico changed my life forever forever. Um, in fact, I have to say this. There was a person on a trip. It was a little bit later than that. He went, and, and I gave him an opportunity to share. And I should have, now I, I ask, okay, let me see your notes. What are you going to share? So he gets up there, and he was talking about the poor and the poverty. He was speaking to them. But all the people in the church, they didn't think he was talking about them. In their definition, a poor man was a beggar sitting that was homeless, had a cane in his hand, had nothing to his name, because these people had homes, they had families, they had some things, but by their standard, they're in poverty compared to our nation. But going into place, I can remember going in in central Mexico, we went and made this trek into the mountains In this small village with these Indians, the the real natives of Mexico, and to see the the poverty, no running water, no electricity, and to see how these people celebrated the love of God. They celebrated who they were in Christ, and yet they had so little. And I'm thinking, wow, Lord, we're so blessed as a nation I came back and I said, I'm going to stop complaining and griping for what I don't have. We are blessed as Americans. We don't have any idea. Going to Kampala, my first trip to Uganda, it was late at night. We were driving through the streets, and there were literally thousands of people in the streets. And I I said to Bishop Grievous, I said, why are all these people up? Don't they go home and go to sleep? He said, Pastor, they have no home. These are homeless people. They moved to the city because they think they're going to find a job, and they only come to find that there's no jobs. The unemployment rate was so high at that time, and now there's an economic boom in Kampala, but that, that time I was there, that nation was the fourth poorest nation in the world. And while there, I can remember preaching, and actually the Lord in the dream began to speak to me and said, from the fourth poorest to the fourth richest. I said, what is this? So I'm going to bring prosperity to this nation. Now, and I shared that in a, in a message to the people, and the people rejoiced. They were excited about that. But then a few years later, guess what they discovered? Oil. And now that nation is beginning to boom and blossom economically like never before. It's, not, it's no longer the fourth poorest nation in the world. Now, so I've, I've seen the most extreme of poverty, and I've seen some of the, greatest of prosperity in the land. Now, I'm going to share a couple statistics here. In 2012, the average household income in the United States was $56,067, that's gross income, with 18.7% in deductions, or taxes, leaving 45582 Now, in France, in U.S. dollars, it's $39,913 gross annual income. Guess what? 43% of that is... Deductions. 43%. Wow. Leaving them with a whopping, whopping, whopping. Okay. (laughs) $22,718 of take home pay. Wow. Aren't you glad you don't live in France? They take almost half your paycheck. Now, India's average annual per capita income is $1,410. Malawi, which is the poorest country in the world and located in southeast. Uh, Southeastern Africa, they suffer from a high death rate because of HIV/AIDS. Uh, they have a um, a high infant mortality. The largest amount of income is from the working from the working classes, those that work in agriculture, and they have an average annual income of two hundred and fifty-three dollars a year. Think about that. See. The truth of the matter is that Jesus said that we would always have the poor with us. We'd always have the poor with us. And we're to give to the poor because we are. when we do, we lend to the Lord and he will repay. Matthew 26, 11, he states that, he says that for you have the poor with you always. So we're to remember the poor. In Proverbs 19, 17, it says, he who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord and he will pay back what he has given. In other words, they can't pay it back, but guess who will? God's going to pay you back. So uh, I always believe we should do what we can to give to the poor. And when we support missions, that's one way we can do that. Uh, You should not despise the poor, and you should not despise the rich. In the book of James, and I've got so much to share on on this particular subject. In the book of James, and I'm just going to kind of paraphrase this real quickly for you. In chapter 2, 1 through 8, it addresses the challenges of how we're not to show partiality. The scripture addresses if you see a rich man coming in uh, uh, arraigned with gold, and then you see a poor man come in with, with uh, dirty clothes and, you know, shabby clothing, and you make a special seat for the rich, and you say, okay, you, you, you sit over here, you poor guy. If you do that, that's wrong, and God despises that. He said, that's wrong. See, that, that's not going to happen at refuge. We're not going to show that kind of preference to somebody who has wealth just because they have wealth. And we're not going to despise the one who who lacks or doesn't have wealth. Because, see, God establishes value differently than we do. And and, and I have to get to that. Um, He he makes a distinction. In fact, it's interesting that God doesn't make a distinction concerning our economic status. He he really doesn't. When, When it comes to our value and our worth as a person, he doesn't make a distinction. It's not determined by what we possess. In Luke In fact, i just throw this out there in Luke 12, 48, to whom much is given, much is required. Uh, Wealth gives you a greater responsibility, a greater accountability, because what you do with it is what really matters if you have it, okay? If you waste and squander it, that's the issue. But if you invest in the work of God's kingdom, that's, that's wonderful. Luke 12, 15, Jesus' words, Luke 12, 15. And he said to them, take heed and become aware of covetousness. What's covetousness? it's when you always want more. Enough is never enough. You just want things, and you want them because that's the latest out there. And we can all have a little bit of that in our life that we have to really resist. We really have to battle against it. And so it says, notice what he goes on to say, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things that he possesses. Now it's not what you have that gives you worth and value. It's who you are. To God, he has established a worth and value on us. Now, we often judge people by what they have or by what they don't have. And, and a number of years ago, the Lord told me, don't ever do that. Because I was one that I kind of despised the rich. I look at them, <laughs> you know, why do you have all that? But the Lord really convicted me. He said, don't judge people by what they have or what they don't have. And, and there's times all of us, you, you may have been judged because of what you have. Maybe God blessed you, and you got a new boat. And you're enjoying that, and you say, oh, wow. And other people say, saying, oh. Wow. And they have issue with it. And, and you know, at one time when people would get a new car, I used to think, yeah, we have this building fund here, and we need money to build the building. And, and they go out to buy a new car. What's wrong with them? And I, I would have an issue with them, and then the Lord dealt with, no, no, no. I want them blessed. They can have a new car, and they can be generous too. See, wealth, if our hearts are right, God knows how to channel it to us. If he can get it to us, he can get it through us. Can you say amen? Okay. Oh, my. I, I, I've got to rush through some things here. Psalms 49, 1 through 3. Hear this, all peoples. Give ear, all inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. My mouth shall speak wisdom and the meditation of my heart shall give understanding. In other words, the message of the gospel is relevant to all people, rich and poor. The rich need it just as much as the poor need it. There are pitfalls of wealth. Wealthy people who trust in their wealth often live in fear. In Luke 9.25, it says, for what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and he himself is destroyed or lost? I don't know if I, I do have that up there. Um, See, God's not opposed to you having money. He's opposed to money having you. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians, 1 Timothy chapter 6, and we want to look at this as we bring things to a timely close. 1 Timothy 6.6 6 says, Now God in us with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can carry nothing out. So what you invest now has eternal a reward, because we don't lay it up for ourselves on earth, but we can send it on ahead, you know, by giving it to the kingdom. Verse eight, and having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. Thank you, Lord, I am content. I have food and clothing. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and the snare and many foolish and harmful lusts which draw drown men in destruction and perdition. Verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It doesn't say money, it says the love of it. You have to judge your heart concerning the love of money. Do you love money more than God? Then that's the issue. And then it goes on to say, For some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many soils. Now, this is really speaking to believers, okay? So, this is Christians right now it's talking to. Now, dropping down at the bottom of the chapter, we see in verse 17, and this is point number three: Point number three, with wealth comes responsibility. And this is a responsibility for those that are wealthy. And, and, and uh, you know, you may come into this church poor, but you don't have to stay that way because I believe when you start walking with God, the blessing of God comes, okay, in your life. And, and you can be set free from poverty because poverty is a curse. And first, Timothy 6, 17, it says, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who richly, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good THAT THEY MAY BE RICH IN GOOD WORKS, READY TO GIVE, READY TO SHARE. IN OTHER WORDS, I'm, THIS IS WHAT I'M SUPPOSED, THIS IS WRITTEN TO PASTORS, 1ST TIMOTHY, THIS BOOK IS WRITTEN TO PASTORS, YOU KNOW? SO I'M SUPPOSED TO COMMAND THE RICH, OKAY, GIVE YOUR MONEY TO THE CHURCH. NO, NO, I'M JUST KIDDING. BUT IN A SENSE, IF YOU REALLY READ THROUGH THIS, HE'S SAYING, NO, JUST BE READY TO SHARE, BE READY TO GIVE, BUT, YOU KNOW, IN A SENSE, THAT'S WHAT IT'S SAYING. IF YOU HAVE IT, WHY HOARD IT WHEN THERE'S NEEDS AROUND YOU, OKAY? Because the reason people hoard is because they think if I give this away, then I won't have, when I go through a difficult time. But notice what it says. But let them do good, that, verse 18, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may load, lay hold of eternal life. And that's what the true value is, eternal life. But God will protect you in our sowing and giving help protect us for the future. And you've heard me say, when everyone does their part, every need is met. I celebrate the one that gives $10 is the one who gives $10,000. If everyone's doing their part, every need will be met, okay? Galatians, see, point number four. We're getting to the end. (laughs) Poverty is a curse that Jesus broke and redeemed us from. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. See, the curse of poverty, sickness, and death is laid out in Deuteronomy. It's laid out as a result of the fall. Poverty, sickness, and death invaded this earth, invaded this planet. It's brought men under this curse. And Jesus broke that curse for us. See, poverty is not just a physical condition, but it's a mentality. We need to break free from a poverty mentality. Some people are plagued with a spirit of poverty and they need to be set free. See, poverty is not just an economic condition. It's a mentality that affects other areas of our life as well. And again, I want to say this. People may come through these doors poor, but they won't stay in that condition Because if we minister the word of God, they get a hold of the truth. They'll break that curse of poverty. They'll break free from that lack. 2 Corinthians 8, 9, and this is scripture to prove it. For you know, 2 Corinthians 8, 9, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. The Greek word for rich here is to have a full supply. Jesus bore the curse of our poverty. The work of redemption is substitutionary. He took our sin, our sickness, our disease. He took death, he took poverty, and he bore that so that we wouldn't have to suffer its consequences. He's the redeemer. Jesus is our advocate. He's our mediator, our attorney, our defender, our savior and friend. I want to give you an opportunity at this time To really consider where you're at with god and maybe you've come through these doors and maybe you don't have a personal relationship with jesus christ and my desire for you is to first and foremost come to know the jesus that i know and come to serve the jesus i serve because when you do your life will take a turn for the better it doesn't mean all your problems are going to go away it doesn't mean that you know life is going to be a bowl of cherries or a bed of roses It means that you will have that which you need to get through the most difficult times of life. So your riches can't buy salvation. Salvation is a gift that was purchased for you by Jesus. He paid that price. See, it's no profit to gain the whole world if you're going to lose your soul, die and go to hell. Sometimes the rich don't think they need God because they're self-sufficient. And sometimes they don't come to God until their fortune is wiped away and they have no one else to turn to but it should never come to that people can put their trust in god right now where they're at in john 10:10, jesus says the thief does not come except to steal and kill and destroy but i've come that they might have life and have it more abundantly that's that's what jesus is offering us abundant life What's really interesting about that word life there, it's the Greek word zoe, which is actually defined as life as God experiences it. He wants you to enjoy the same quality of life that he has and come to experience that life. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I don't know that my life is really right with God. If I were to die today, I'm uncertain whether I'd go to heaven. I'm uncertain that I would be welcomed into his presence Maybe you've gone to church. Maybe you've, you know, you say you love God. Maybe you believe in the Bible. But if you've never really given your heart to Jesus, then all of that doesn't really matter. What really matters is have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Have you said, Jesus, I give you my heart? I believe you died for my sins, and I receive your gift of salvation because I know I can't save myself. I trust you as my Savior. I put my faith in you as my Lord. I come to you now and give my life to you. We want to extend that opportunity to you today. In fact, we're going to have the prayer team come up, and they're going to pray for those that want to surrender to Christ and give their life to him as well as anyone else that has need. If you have a need for prayer today, it's our desire to be able to pray with you, to stand with you, to join our faith with you so that God can begin to move in your life in that situation. Maybe you have a loved one and and there's a concern you have for them. You can come and we can pray about that situation concerning your loved one. But if if you need prayer today, we want you to come up. The prayer team can come up at this time. And I, I want to just ask you today if you're here and sometimes see this is kind of a bold thing to do you say I need Jesus I, I have not yet given my life to him and I'm ready to give my life to him today I'm ready to surrender my life to him today if that is you I want you to just slip up your hand so I can see it is there anyone here because we want to give that opportunity now we may already be believers that's fine but if not, I don't want to take a chance that you leave this place without that opportunity. All right. Now, maybe there's some here that haven't really walked true with God. Maybe you've had a, a challenge. You've backslidden. You've drifted. Well, it's time to come home. It's time to get right. God is welcoming you back to get on track and to run with him and to share what he has for you. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this day. We thank you even for this time of ministry as people come to receive from you. In Jesus' name, we ask that you have your way among us. Father, we at Refuge will be a place for the rich and for the poor. Father, for people to come from all walks of life will not be despised or rejected, but they'll be accepted and welcomed into your kingdom. In Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for the ministry of your word today and what you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Refuge Podcast. For more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages for free, visit us online at wearefuge.net.